powerful word, whether it's encouragement, a challenge, comfort, whatever it may be for you that the Holy Spirit works in this amazing word. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 8. We're going to read it in two sections, reading the first first eight verses, and then we're going to shoot across to verse 26 through to the end of the chapter. So it's Acts chapter 8. And we're going to read the first eight verses. Verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Across to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candate, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. May God bless his word. Thanks, Tony. Graham, come and join me. This is Graham Sirkham, everybody. Give him a nice Sunnybank welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Graham. Oh, yeah. you've got a microphone on. I do. Um, I've known you for about 20 years. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, mate. 
You're very well known in Baptist churches mm. and several police stations throughout the state. Oh, yeah. If you please, please. How long have you been in ministry? 45. 45 years in full-time wow. ministry, yeah. Primarily evangelism? Yeah, but that's been my heart, really, from the very beginning. I'll share a little bit about that, but... Um, yeah, I pastored initially in Innisfail and then um, Cooper from Cooper I went into sort of more of an itinerant work. Okay. Yeah. And now at Wynnum? Wynnum there is the community pastor, yeah. And doing lots of exciting things there, yeah. particularly with chaplains in yeah, shopping. Amazing there. how God has opened that door to get into public Which spaces. we're going to hear about come yeah. June, July. Very exciting, Darren. Yeah, yeah, my word. Married? Very much so. Four? Um, Forty-five. Almost yeah. the whole year, uh, all the time of being yeah. involved. In Andrew and I have sort of partnered very well together. Got and several children. Seven kids, all married now, and a mob of grandies, sort of 22 of those. And, um, and two more coming this year. Come on, the so Bible says. So how many? Yes, go forth and multiply. Yeah, that's right. You yes. said it. How are you doing? Yeah, really well, thanks. Um, <laughs> I have two children, mm -hmm. four grandchildren, one wife. Wonderful. I had so, one wife. One wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's the tribe. You're going to talk about that? Yeah, those? there's a mob there. I won't talk too much about them, but every picture, you know, is uh, worth a thousand words. But, you know, every picture has its challenges. You just have a child or a beer parent and you, you'll get grey hair. Teaching my kids to drive gave me grey hair. I gave my son one lesson. Did and, you? Yeah, then I said, I'm getting a driving instructor. Okay, you're a yeah, wise man. I am. I yeah. was indeed. Actually, I loved it. I loved the 100 hours, to be honest, in oh. the car. Yeah. It's Improved it's... my prayer life. <laughs> Let's pray. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for Graham. Thank you that he is an obedient servant of yours. May your words, your message come through Graham this morning, your servant, to us your servants here. Bless him, anoint him with your spirit, and give him a real freedom, Lord, to t share with us uh, your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Daryl. So good. Glad to be here. Uh, I believe you, you've got Alpha coming up in about, in about a month's time, which is very exciting. So we're going to uh, initiate the, the power of presence, which um, we'll jump into the next slide. Actually, I'm supposed to do that. I don't know how to turn this thing on. So maybe we'll do it from the back. Gary, is it all right? Could, we do, could you look after me? Thank you. So, um, <clears throat> bigger button? Did you want to use that? I could do. Um, thanks, Daryl. Um, but for the last 45 years, something is... Uh, thank you, bro. Hit that one? Okay. Um, I have... It was 50 years ago, actually, that God really touched my life. I'll talk about that, actually, because it was a defining moment for me to step into a lifestyle of allowing the Holy Spirit to have control. And, um, but passionately in my heart, it's always been the lost, reaching the lost and engaging with people. And when we went to Innisfail, just as a young couple, we went to the streets and lanes and, uh, of that city or that town and, and reached people for Jesus. It's been part of my DNA all the years of my life, <clears throat> particularly the last 50. But uh, when we got to, um, to Wynnum, I um, started to really think about how to help the church get out of the building, being my experience of speaking in many churches over the years, what a struggle it is 
uh, to get out of the building to go where the people are and actually articulate the good news about Jesus. And we heard that amazing story of, the, um, of Philip and the Ethiopian. So I began to pray about that and God gave this concept of um, community chaplaincy. So I jotted it out on a bit of paper. Jeff Ireland was a senior pastor at the time and he got very excited about it and said, Graham, you're going to have to really put this, really do this. So um, we have, we've been going now for four, uh, four and a half years. We're in three shopping centres. We've got 12 chaplains serving in that public space. It's the most remarkable experience, I think, of my entire Christian life to be in, uh, I serve in two shopping centres for three hours in each session. But we engage with about uh, you know, hundreds of people. We've seen lots of people come to know Jesus over that period of time. And uh, just exciting to see the work of the Holy Spirit actively uh, in people's lives and to partner with God in that way. So um, we're very excited to come and bring the power of presence, which is the kind of the heartbeat of what um, community chaplaincy is all about, about being very present with people, bringing Jesus to people, just like Philip did with the Ethiopian just being there and uh, communicating the good news. So uh, we'll be looking forward to coming back and sharing with you. Last Sunday, um, I baptised a guy called Peter and we had uh, run an alpha course and Peter was 73. He was a truck driver. Something's going on with my... Okay. Um, thanks, uh, David. I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong here. Um, but uh, we baptised Peter last Sunday. It's the most remarkable story when he came and did the Alpha course. And uh, we're going to play the, the video right now. Could we do that, Gary, just to play that? It's just an amazing story of an old bloke who gave his life to Jesus. Thank you. Okay. Church, I went to weddings. Okay. If I was back, I had no belief in Jesus. Totally nothing. Zero. Yep. So all of a sudden, a bloke or a lady called Maria Bellis and yeah. Peter Bellis, what, what's the story there? Well, at one stage, I was trying to uh, remove the flotation gear here, and I used to walk going to the east in the mornings, and Maria used to walk down to the west. So we'd pass one another, g'day, how are you? Nice, friendly chat. Um, and it sort of went on from then. Her husband, Peter, over here, um, I'd never met, I went up for a cup of uh, morning tea, yeah. got asked for that, so I'd met him then. Every other time it was just as he drove past, we live in the same street. I turned around one day and who was standing at the end of my garage? Peter, Peter Ballas. And he said to me straight out, I'm taking a chance, but would you really want anything to do with religion? And I think I said to him something like, oh yeah mate, I've got an open mind. Um, I'm retired, I can do what I want now. But what it was, he said to me, well, you know, yeah, he said there'll be no pushing, no nothing with the church. So I went and did the six-week... Um, Alpha. Alpha course with him. Met some beautiful, beautiful people in this church while I was doing the course. Said to Peter after the course, you know, yeah, it's got the old mind ticking over a bit. There was something there, but I couldn't quite nail it. So I said to Pete, I'll come to church twice and see what happens. Peter and Marie brought me the first time. Second time, I was sitting there and I thought, yeah, there's something to this. 
Jesus might even let me around, let me come to church. And thanks to Peter and Marie, I'm here today. But no, that's, that's how I started. And something happened. You, you came twice and said, I'm going to come back. It, yeah. It just seems... And then one Sunday morning service, something happened. Yep, I was... I'm a diabetic, been on insulin all my adult life. And uh, I was sitting back there with Marie and Pete, and then all of a sudden, I didn't feel well. Something hit me, is the only way to describe it. And... Uh, Peter said, you're right, you know, being a diabetic, you're having a hypo. And I said, no, mate, it's not that. It's just something that's got me in the heart. That was it. Jesus spoke to me. I've been coming back for nearly a year, or after that, it's probably six months. Six months, yeah. And that's it. I decided to get baptised and make my life to Christ. So that's my story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, it was just amazing on that morning. We baptised Peter and I gave a call from the, from the baptismal font, which is on the stage, and others stood up and uh, decided to follow Jesus. How good is that? He's completely illiterate. He's been a truck driver all his life. But what a change in his life. Isn't it a good story? And um, so in a month's time, you'll have an opportunity to bring your friends and invite them to do the Alpha course. It's a brilliant sort of step-by-step uh, -step process of helping people to discover who Jesus is. And Pete's now reaching out to his family. It was lovely to have his wife, Lena, in church for the first time last Sunday. We're going to jump into the story right now of um, Ethi the Ethiopian eunuch. I'll give it a shot on this one. Have I got that right? Um, so um, what a remarkable thing that as we read the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit leads the whole frontier of mission. Right back in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, which is the pivotal verse where Jesus said to the disciples that um, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Ju Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the, of the earth. So the Holy Spirit is the one that initiates and pushes and pushes those frontiers and leads us and guides us into all kinds of opportunities just to bring the good news to people. And this morning I want to speak about um, an unforgettable encounter because God wants to use you and me to be a light to shine in this very, very dark world that was mentioned in, in the prayer before. Part of my story was I grew up in a Christian home. My mum and dad actually are missionaries. So they've gone to heaven now, but they served the Lord for 50 years in Western Australia. We migrated from the UK in 1966 and went to a mission, um, Aboriginal mission with the Wongai tribe just out of Kalgoorlie. So I was just 14 at the time, but we were privileged to be able to come and serve. My dad gave up his business, he sold his house, and six of us kids uh, came from southwest England to the desert of Western Australia. But throughout my teen years, I just knew there was something missing. There was a dimension to my life that was not there. I guess I was a 50 percenter. I knew Jesus in my heart. I became a Christian when I was very young. But I really struggled to witness. I struggled to talk or articulate what Jesus had done in my life. I was powerless. At the age of 20, I began to seek God and say, Dear Lord, I don't know what's wrong with me. There's something missing from my life. 
I had actually been reading the book of Acts and I said to the Lord, I don't want to read about history, I want to make history. I just don't want to be passively studying and reading, I actually want to be a practitioner. What is wrong with me? Throughout my 20th year, I just began to study the book of Acts and uh, finally in my 21st year, I was taken to Papua New Guinea, I worked as an aircraft engineer and uh, lost my job actually, or was, um, what do you call it, redundant, made redundant at the end of my training. That was providential in that God took me from my home in Perth out to uh, Papua New Guinea. And it was there that I met a guy who was uh, playing squash. Uh, um, this is exactly, almost, almost exactly 50 years ago, actually. He was playing squash. He was wearing a one-way Jesus T-shirt. Some of you who are a little bit my vintage might remember the Jesus Revolution and uh, of the 1970s. Remember the one-way Jesus sign? Anybody in the room remembers that sign? And uh, he was wearing one of those short shirts. And I thought it was a little bit outrageous. I'm watching him play the game. I thought, not sure if I really wear the shirt. But he was wearing the one-way Jesus shirt. He was very open and, and uh, you know, and displaying his faith in that way. But when he came up from the game, he said to us who were standing around, I just had a joy of kind of talking to that guy about Jesus. And I, went, I was shocked that not only was he wearing the shirt, but he was actually doing it, you know, as a way of life. And, and it troubled me. I don't know if you've met people that trouble you. You know, they've got something that you don't have and you wish you had what they had. And, and uh, I was like that. I went home kind of a little bit disturbed and I think, what is it about Tony uh, that makes him different to be able to just do the walk up to the talk and, and just talk so openly? The following Sunday, I sat next to Tony in church and I said, why you did it on Tuesday night of the squash match? I don't think I've ever any, seen anyone do anything like that before. He said... I said, what is it? What's the difference? He said, what do you know about the Holy Spirit, Graham? I said, well, I've just been reading all through the Acts of the Apostles. And um, I know there's a dimension there. And that was the end of the conversation. But the following Wednesday night at a Bible study at a young adults group with about 30 in the room, 30 young adults, what do you think the topic might have been? The Holy Spirit. I thought, I'm getting God at God's on my case. And I sort of got a little bit edgy and a bit shaky in the room. We went through this Bible study and I realized, you know, that I knew Jesus as my Savior, but I didn't know him as my Lord. You know, there are two ways to live. And a lot of folk and who call themselves Christians got kind of a foot either way. But that night in that Bible study, at the end of the study, I was very aware of the presence of God in the room. In fact, it was like a little revival that was about to break out. And uh, I said, Lord Jesus, what's wrong with me? And the words that I had come into my mind, I can't use you, Graham, because I don't own you. You give me ownership and I will do the miracle. So I was in control. I wanted to do things my way. God was my convenience. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I felt the Lord say, I want you to relinquish ownership, Graham. I want to be your king. I want to take control. You let me take control, Graham, I will do the miracle. And that was a very confronting reality to me. Even though I'd been baptized and, you know, like with Peter last Sunday, we baptized him and said, mate, it's all over. The old Peter is finished. 
You're now going to be, let Jesus be your king. You're just going to obey him. The one who loves me is the one who obeys me. And so we cross from left to right. And the question I would like to pose to you this morning, where are you on the diagram? Do you feel that still you're on the left-hand side and not yet surrendered? You haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're living a self-centered life. That's what sin is. It's a little I in the middle of the word sin. It says, it's all about me. It's exactly what the devil said to Eve. You can become just like God. You can be in charge of your destiny. You can do as you please, when you please. You're kind of like God. For me personally, I was a 50%. I kind of had come to a place. I was baptized when I was 13, but I never got it. I did not realize it was a burial service. <laughs> I said, Peter, we're going to baptize you. I said, I'm going to hold you under. And when we see the bubbles coming up, we know you're ready to follow Jesus. <laughs> he said, don't you dare do that, Graham. It's a burial service, the end of your life. Amen. Can I hear an amen in the room? It is so hard to die. The Apostle Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. That little I is going to be bent into a sea. It's not about me anymore. It's all about him. And I realized that night it was for me to bend the I into a sea. And I got on my knees along with all the other young people. And, and I died that night. It was almost 50 years ago. And I tell you what, it's been a real challenge to stay dead. <laughs> Because Graham, he's like the living sacrifice of you know, Romans 12. Darrell, you know, a living sacrifice can get off the altar real quick. Is that true? Yeah. You're looking at a bloke who gets off often. What are you doing, Graham? I thought I was your boss. I thought I was your king. And I get on my knees again and say, I'm so sorry. I repent, dear Lord. I'm such a selfish bloke. And I don't know where you sit on the diagram, whether you're sitting on the right or the left or somewhere in between, but you get to that cross at the cross. And Easter is coming. And you cannot have resurrection until there's crucifixion. I've got to die before I can live. That's the great paradox of the gospel. And I discovered that that was the key to the spirit-filled life. And I remember coming to the end of my prayer because I had to make confession of all my sin. It took a while. To be honest and open and humble before a holy God. I welcome Jesus Christ to be my king. And uh, even though I didn't get rebaptized, obviously I did that in a reflection and recalibrating myself to live out my confession of burial and letting Jesus be my king. And you'll see the little dove there. You know, it, it is so intrinsically connected to be controlled by the Spirit means to be filled with the Spirit. So I am no, I, I've got no more rights. There's nothing. I don't, we don't have any rights. It's all His. If He tells me to go, I go. So I walked out of that door that night in 1973, a completely changed man. And things started to happen. Miracles started to happen as the Holy Spirit would prompt me to do things that I never dreamt that would have happened. It's a, it's a real challenge to fulfill this. If you get nothing from the day, today, live that. Allow Jesus to be your king. That's the gospel of the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So the very core of the acts, it begins with the kingdom because that's the disciples wondered when the kingdom was going to come. 
And he said, it's not right for you to know the times and the seasons. Just go and wait in Jerusalem. But to be filled with the Spirit is to be under the control of the Spirit. So when the Spirit prompts you to do something, you just go and do it without question. And therein lies the miracle of a surrendered life. I don't know whether or not you feel very challenged about moving with God. I find it a big challenge because I'm a bit of a control freak. Can we have some honesty in the room? Who relates to that? Okay, lots and lots. You know, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to do this. What? You know, my dad was the same. You know, when God spoke to him, we had a missionary come. Uh, Will, Will Sharp, his name was, and his wife Marjorie came and stayed at our place and shared about the Aboriginal folk, the Wangai tribe, which is the tribal group that we worked with for a long time. And, and the Lord spoke to my dad and said, Morgan, I want you to sell your business and go to Australia and serve with this tribal group. And my dad came home very enthusiastically from the meeting and said to my mum, uh, Lethia, I think God wants us to go to Australia. And my mother said he might be wanting you to go, but he's not wanting me. <laughs> it was quite a funny conversation. And uh, it was five years later that my mother got touched by the Spirit. You know, it's hard to leave safety, isn't it? Hmm? Your house. You know, it was, uh, who's the guy that wrote the book, Daryl? Um, just a, cr- a walk across the room. It was uh, Bill Hybels. It's just a walk. It's going from here to here. For some of you, that's a big call. You know, when I walked out of that room, I, I, the, the Holy Spirit started to speak to me. He said, go and talk. I remember one Sunday afternoon, the Holy Spirit really speaking to my heart to go up to the hospital and visit. I didn't know why. Just go to the second floor of the hospital, Graham. There's someone I want you to talk to. And so I went, and there was one of the engineers from Air New Guinea that had a terrible accident the day before just to be there but it's moving you get to that little cross on the far side there you know where the decision is made but when you step out by faith that's what God honours and if you want to know about those steps of faith read Hebrews chapter 11 all those people courageously taking steps of faith and just like for Philip the Eth- with the Ethiopian, here he was in the revival up in Samaria and God was moving and doing all this stuff and God spoke through an angel and said, I want you to go to the desert. I mean, that's a big call. It's not just to walk across the room. It's, it's kind of like a 100-kilometer journey. Folks, I don't know whether Jesus is your king yet. I don't know whether or not you've actually been baptised yet, but baptism is a confession of burial. Your life has finished. Can I hear an amen? It's hard to do. Dying is a hard thing. Remember, it was um, George Mueller, the the man who founded the orphanage in Bristol. And some of you have heard of George Mueller, that wonderful man of faith. And someone came to him and said, Mr. Mueller, God has done amazing things. What's the key to to blessing? He said, there was a day when George Mueller died. He died to his ambitions and his desires, his preferences and so on. He went on and every time he would say something, he would bend over. At the end of the conversation, George Mueller was on his knees. Because you can only live when you die. And it's going to be imperative that we just move with God. Sunny Bank, come on. 
we as a group of people are here on Sunday, we gather for worship and we scatter for witness. Who knows what God might prompt you to do this week with a neighbour? God prompted Andrea and I with our young neighbours uh, just before Christmas. They were having a real struggle. On Chris, and on Christmas Eve, we came and helped them mow the, the lawn and brought in a whole team. And just that little act of kindness has opened Kevin and Bonnie to Jesus. They watched church online for the first time last Sunday and were blown away. They just had a wonderful time with Kevin yesterday. Just being available, just following the prompts of the Spirit. We've got to keep moving. I just get a bit wound up. Okay, where are we? So here we are, this amazing story. So a little bit of mapping here of um, where, where, where Samaria is, where Philip was. We've got this great crisis happening um, in Jerusalem with Stephen, that dear brother, Stephen, who was killed. And he was one of the seven men who were found to be full, full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit, set apart to look after widows' tables. And so was Philip, actually. He was part of the seven, group of seven. And so after Saul, this the Apostle Paul, but formerly Saul, uh, ravaged the church. They uh, killed Stephen and persecuted the church. God used that crisis, and I put this up here. God's sovereign person, God's sovereign purpose is revealed in life circumstances. Isn't that true? And who would have thought God would use persecution to get this, uh, this beautiful group of people who are hanging out in Jerusalem, enjoying the blessings and so on, just to throw a big bomb into that midst with um, persecution. So the church was scattered. That was God's means, a very painful means, to get the people out of Jerusalem and to scatter to bring the good news wherever they went. And Acts Chapter 8 talks about how they were scattered. Well, Philip went up to Samaria, up in the north there, what's midway between Jerusalem and uh, Galilee. It's around about, um, <clears throat> about 50 kilometers out of Jerusalem. And so whilst this great revival is taking place, God, by his spirit, speaks to, um, uh, to Philip by an angel. Now, I was very, really fascinated uh, to read about how um, Billy Graham was very impacted, I suppose, by the, a lot of talk about demons and the devil and so on. So he wrote a book um, called God's Secret Agents in 1975. It's a book on angels. Some of you might have read it. He's, he said angels have a much more important place in the Bible than the devil and his demons. We can take comfort in the fact that with the host of angels at God's call, we are not alone. Uh, it's a mystery, isn't it? I had a fellow just pray with me just a week ago. He said, Graham, I can see a couple of angels beside you. I said, oh, okay. Uh, that was very encouraging. I couldn't see them myself. But in the room here, if we could only see what's going on in this room, I think we'd be surprised. The Bible says little children are allocated angels and they report to the Father every day. You know, Hebrews chapter 1 talks about the angelic beings. Angelic beings are moving very, very strategically in our world right now. And an angel spoke to, to Philip and said, with very clear directions, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. It was very clear and specific. 
So we are led by God. God's in charge of whoever. And sometimes it's circumstances, you know, loss of a job. You think, for me, I lost my job in Janicot Airport at the end of my training. It was a, a redundancy thing, a bit of economic stuff. But God used that to lever me to be in Papua New Guinea so I could get touched in a very special way. Uh, God uses circumstances. Did you know in, in Acts chapter 17 that God has appointed you where you live? He said, in him we move and have our being. God is not far from any one of us. And Acts 17 says, he appoints the places where we live. What for? To shine. To reach out to your neighbors. Do you know their names? They're kind of hanging out with them a bit. It's just been a joy to do that with our community and see people come to know Jesus. Just bringing light into the dark world, being available to the Holy Spirit, using circumstances, using angels, and then recognizing the Holy Spirit directs us clearly. So for Philip, he went south following that track down there, 50 k's down to Jerusalem and 80 k's towards that desert road towards Gaza. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to him. It's this word, reoccurring word, go, go. Go to that chariot and stay near it. So there he is. He's, he's being obedient. The angel has given him clear direction. And now the Holy Spirit saying, go to the chariot. It's a going word, isn't it? We've been called to altogether, go. We are to go. We'll be going very shortly just to mix and mingle and be with people and invite them to come to Alpha. Somebody might prompt in your heart. You've got a whole tree here. Lots of names, I believe. Uh, but it's a great opportunity for you to invite your friends and be led by the Spirit and pray for them that they'll open their hearts to the Lord Romans 8 14 those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God Matthew 4 verse 1 Jesus led by the spirit into the desert clearly directed by the Holy Spirit and at his baptism as he was praying the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him and initiated his messianic ministry being led by the spirit directed by him you're a very valuable asset to God where you live and what you do and who you are your personality type your background your story you know yesterday as I was in the car with Kevin and another neighbor who'd given his life to Jesus his name is Robert Robert was about to commit suicide and he hung himself on the rope but the rope broke and God saved Robert's life. And he turned and said to Kevin, this is what happened to me. He's now a devoted follower of Jesus, Robert is. But when he told the story, Kevin said, I've tried myself to take my own life. So his story matched and merged with, Kev uh, with Robert's story and Kevin's story. Your story is very powerful, don't you agree? It gives you an ability to be able to relate and connect. Just, oh, God is doing so much with broken people in our community. So many drug addicts, so many. We've been into homes like you would not, well, you might imagine. The brokenness of our community is, is very confronting. But Jesus is doing some stuff 
to redeem and rescue and restore and take that brokenness like the Gaither song. I don't know if you're, are you a Gaither favorite? No, okay, Daryl, you need to get a bit of prayer there. But uh, <laughs> something beautiful, something good. Some of you might know the words, all my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife and he's making something beautiful out of my life. Your backstory is your equipping story to engage with people. Can you remember what you were like? Some of you perhaps been here for a long time, but you're a walking miracle. Don't lose touch. Don't lose touch. And finally, just going to have to zip and zoom on this one. Just a few things to help you be led by the Spirit. First is to be very aware what's going on around you. You can be connected. Some of us perhaps are disconnected to reality. But you could be in a place and God is always working, isn't he? I've placed that beautiful scripture um, at the bottom there about the Lord Jesus. Um, can someone read that verse down below uh, at the bottom? That someone who's got a big voice on this side over here. Could someone read out the, vo- the words of Jesus, the Son? Can someone do that for me, please? Hey, if you've got young eyes, you can see. If you're like me, you can't see. Yeah. Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing. Be aware. Jesus was very aware. That woman at the well story is an amazing story. Leaving Jerusalem and going up on the high mountains to one woman in Samaria. But this is kind of part of the story as well because a revival broke out through a a lady who had five failed marriages. Have we just seen that with a lady, young mum, the end of our street? She's just become a Christian. But she's reaching out to all of her friends, as the woman did. Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Be aware. Be listening to the voice of the Spirit. You're not the king anymore. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is your leader. Listen to the prompts. Listen to your heart. If you're getting, getting the nudge, take a risk. Step out of your comfort zone. Even if it's just a little step and begin to engage and say, hello, my name is and your name is. And if God has given you a little word of encouragement about your neighbors or your friends, about Alpha or about anything to do with life, because it takes a while to build that trust, listen to the Spirit. Be discerning as to what God might have you to do. It might be to bake a cake. It might be to mow a lawn. It might be just to go and say, G'day, how you doing? As we are astonished that a smile works so much. I had a bloke the other day at uh, Kapalaba. Central say, Graham, I don't know. No, he didn't call me by my name. He said, mate, I don't know what it is about your smile. What is it? What are you on? <laughs> I said, it's coming from the inside. I just want to tell you right now, mate. Just to have peace with God is amazing. Just a little conversation like that. Be discerning. Be prayerful. Be obedient. Just follow the prompts. Come on. It's not hard. You're not going to a desert. Well, you may do. But God will bless obedience. The one who loves me is the one who obeys me. And be patient. God will do his miracle.
and as you move as a congregation to do Alpha, to reach out with um, grace and mercy. You know, that obedient step of Philip brought uh, an incredible revival to Ethiopia over time. Do you know the great theologians down through the centuries have come from, from Africa? Athanasius. You've got some great, amazing Augustine of Hippo. The Holy Spirit used that one conversation with that guy in a chariot. This um, is eunuch, a very, very important person. As he had the scroll of Isaiah and went back to his place and brought the good news through one encounter. One, one encounter. What can God do through you? I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven to see the family tree developed. As one person told that person, another person told that person. And so God used one moment of obedience. That woman at the well as Jesus came in up to specifically speak to her. The whole town was blessed. And people came. Just want to finish out just with a very brief prayer. I'm not sure how you are this morning, but one thing I do know is that God has got a great plan for you. And when he's in control, miracles happen. Is that true? When you're in control, not much happens. Would you relinquish your right to control? Would you relinquish your right to be king? Let Jesus be your king. And let the Holy Spirit come on you this morning and say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm going to step out by faith. I'm rather scared. I'm a bit worried about that. But I'm prepared to move with you. Let's pray together. Just quietly, right where you are, God is speaking to you. You may have come this morning and you don't know Jesus at all. He loves you. He died on a cross for your sin. He wants to give you brand new life. And if you're prepared to admit your sin, your selfishness, your self-centeredness, and put your faith and trust into him as the son of God, he will wash away all your sin. And then as you commit your life to him, the Holy Spirit will come and live within you and you will be born again. I guess most of us in the room um, follow Jesus. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. We're followers. We follow Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit prompts us, we follow. We're disciples. We follow Jesus. Just in the quietness of your heart, if God is speaking to you and you feel like you're in that comfort zone, and you've been stuck there for a long time. And you want Jesus to do something fresh in you. To help you to be obedient. Would you just pray with me right now? Maybe you're stuck in your own world. And you've never given Jesus a chance. Would you repent? And let Jesus take control? It'll change your life forever. You're quietly right where you are. If you'd like to say this with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I know you're speaking to me. 
You created me for purpose. But sometimes I really struggle with self-centeredness. I want to be in control. And it's been a while since I've heard your voice. Would you forgive me for my arrogance, for my pride, for my self-centeredness? I come to the cross this morning. I surrender. I give you my life. I give you all that I am. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I've, I've missed so many opportunities. But take me, Lord. Take me this morning, all of me. And anoint me with the Holy Spirit. And with your power. Teach me how to hear your voice. And give me courage to obey. Thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for uh, allowing me to come and be with you this morning.